Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. The Lord spoke that through the prophet Isaiah, chapter 41, verse 10. It's an amazing promise that I cling to and that propels me in my life. And it is the focus of this podcast, the Gaining Strength podcast. Welcome to our podcast today. And we pray that you will find strength in the midst of what you hear this day. God bless you. Hey friends, thanks for joining us for the Gaining Strength podcast today. I'm Cheryl Truitt, and you're in for a real treat today. I interviewed a friend of mine who is home from the mission field and on furlough. She and her husband serve in a Middle Eastern country, and we're going to call her Allison. That's not her real name. Uh, We sat down in a local coffee shop a couple of weeks ago and had a nice conversation about how she came to know the Lord, how she came to be serving in missions, and especially how she came to be called to a primarily Muslim nation. Uh, I found this conversation to be fun, to be delightful, and very, very rich. Um, She loves Jesus. She loves the nation she's serving, and she had a lot of of great insights. And I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So go pour yourself a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and, and enjoy, sit down along with us in, in our discussion. So Allison, why don't you start off and just tell us how you came to know Jesus? Cause this podcast is about people gaining strength in their walk with the Lord. Okay. So My story is a little interesting. I was actually raised in the church, attended church three times a week, just (laughs) as all the good Christians did. Wow. (laughs) But uh, it it was never something that was real for me until I went to college. And there I lost my way a bit, as a lot of uh, new students do when they're Mm. living on their own for the first time. And I became involved in this relationship that was really unhealthy for me. And I simply wanted a way out. Uh, The relationship became a little more abusive. I had to leave family and friends to appease this fellow. And so I left my sorority, I left my family, and I didn't have any friends outside of this man. And so... Very controlling. Very controlling. Uh, Scary at times. And then finally, I had a friend that works with Campus Crusades for Christ, and she invited me to go on a spring break trip to Daytona Beach to just relax and have a good time. And I said, I don't know. I I don't know if I can. It's expensive, I'm sure. The beach sounds great. And at that time, I desperately wanted a chance out. And so... Freedom. She said, well, it's only $100. How does that sound? I was like, well, you know what? That's great. And so I went on this trip. Uh, The fellow actually came with me to this trip. And it was while on this trip that other people were able to see what was happening. And the friend that invited me on this trip basically separated the two of us 
and brought me to a safe place and said, you don't ever have to see him again if you don't want to. And so I was so thankful for that. But at the same time, I was so lost. I didn't know anything outside of this man anymore. And I thought my my friends are gone and my family is gone and I don't know where to go from here. And that's when she shared the gospel with me. And for the first time, my ears really heard what it meant to follow Jesus and to have Jesus as a constant presence in my life. And so at that time, I decided to follow Jesus, gave him everything as I knew that he had given me everything and that he wanted me and I didn't have to be alone. Wow. Yeah. So everything clicked in your heart. Everything clicked in my heart and my brain. For the first time, it all clicked together as one despite hearing it my whole life. And it rescued out of you out of a, a oppression mm-hmm. at the same time, or he did, I should say, not it. He did. <laughs> well, bless the Lord. That's awesome. Well, I understand that you are are serving Jesus in the Middle East. Yes. How did you end up in the Middle East? <laughs> yes. How does this small <laughs> small, small town, town girl? girl from the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, <laughs> end up in the Middle East? It actually started the following year. Uh, I had experienced a year of of freedom and walking with the Lord. And so I decided to go back on this Daytona trip with Campus Crusades, now as a leader myself. And we were out one night trying to find people to share the gospel with. And we came across these two guys that were eating ice cream. My little group that I was with was also eating ice cream. So we thought, well, there we go. Let's try to connect with them. And we went and we found out that they were actually two Fulbright students from Egypt and from Turkey. Wow. Two Muslims. We had no idea what Islam was about. Only the scary things that you hear on the news. And so I felt my heart inside begin to pound a little bit, wondering if sharing the gospel with these two Muslims was perhaps be, the craziest thing. Would be dangerous, we've, yeah. We've ever done. I was pretty nervous about it. Uh, but we had a really good time talking about religion. We discussed religion itself for probably three hours Wow. on the beach. And then they said that the next day was their day off. And they were both Fulbright students as chefs. And so they wanted to cook my group. We were about three girls and two guys. They wanted to cook traditional foods from their countries for us. And so they invited us to their house the next day. And that just happened to be our free day. And I was terrified, not going to lie, (laughs) being raised in Kentucky, watching the news, not having much exposure to diversity. I had no idea. And your mind just kind of makes up like... It was going everywhere. I thought, oh my goodness, if I told my mother (laughs) that I'm going to two Muslims home for dinner, she would lose it. So I'm thinking in my head, okay, don't tell mom. (laughs) Here's what I need to study. And you're like 20 years old here? Yeah, I'm 20. I don't know much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going on Google to, to typing in things like, are Muslims really safe? What should I know about Egypt? What should I know about Turkey? I was completely ignorant. I had no idea what to expect. Wow. And so my heart was pounding as we walked through their front door. But everything, everything calmed down as my stomach started roaring because of the smells wafting in from the apartment. The moment the we stepped food foot. delicious food being cooked, you mean? So much good food. Good <laughs> Egyptian food, good Turkish food. We ate so much food that we, we almost made ourselves sick. It was so delicious. Did all five of you go? All five of or us went. Of mm-hmm. 
So these two fellows cooked so much food for all five of us. There was leftovers galore. Hospitality. Right? Hospitality. It was my first the door. <laughs> my first experience of this wonderful hospitality. And so we wanted to repay the favor to these fellows and so we took them mini golfing. <laughs> and at the end they went to go pay and they realized that we had already paid for them. Mm. And these two grown men broke out in tears. Aww. Like, wow, that I didn't think mini golf could ever touch someone's heart so much. What is <laughs> happening here? And they explained to us that in their five months that they had spent in America so far, that everyone was afraid of them Aww. and that no one wanted to speak with them, uh, that they had really difficult time making friends and fitting in yeah. because of their faith. And it's like the Lord just spoke to me in that moment and said, my name, Allison, said, hey, who is going to go to these people if everyone else is too afraid? Yeah. Because I love them yeah. just as much as I love people in your country yeah. and just as much as I love people in other countries. Who's going to love them for me? I've, I've heard and of, of situations like that where it's like in many cases in, in missions per se mm -hmm. America has the nations coming to them and so they yes. have right, ready ripe opportunities to share the gospel with people coming here but fear interrupts and, and gets in the way and, and many like let's say international students or or people like that or or even refugees or, or immigrants are are shunned in a way and and they never see the love of Jesus Christ where it they it's they everywhere should be. Yes, yes they should be and um, in fact I I've had uh, communications with people who their mission is just to be on a college campus and reach out mm -hmm. to foreign students and what a wonderful opportunity well it's such a lonely experience yeah to not know anything and to not know anybody any language no friends mm -hmm. no culture you don't even know how to grocery shop mm -hmm. when you first come and so to have someone pull alongside that sounds great yeah it's, it's a neat opportunity that churches really need to take advantage of mm -hmm. that are right here and involved in missions without ever having to leave and what a great opportunity yeah. that is that you don't have to yeah. leave it's but, really but easy this <laughs> led, led you yes. into missions and into the Middle East eventually yes and so that's when God really broke my heart for Muslims Wow! and I knew a missionary that was already on the field and so I began writing him to see what it is like Mm -hmm. We began talking more and more over email, and this man is now my husband. <laughs> wow. And so he introduced me to our company called People International, which is an organization that strives to unveil the glory of God to Central Asian Muslims. And so they send out missionaries to a lot of the Stan countries. And so we... Like Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Uh, we have some workers in Turkmenistan, in Uzbekistan, in Kazakhstan. So when she says the Stan countries, that's what she means. Mm hmm Yeah. Okay. And so we got married and decided as a couple to go and serve the Lord in the Middle Eastern area. Amazing. And how long have you been married? We've been married eight years. Eight years, and you've been in foreign foreign missions We've, for six years. Six, six years. years abroad. Wow, 
Wow. And did you have any special training or? Our, our agency, People International, provides their own in-house training. And so we completed all of their requirements. There's a book list to just help you feel a little more equipped. Mm -hmm. And there was a training that we attended that helped us know how to approach language learning, to know how to approach culture. But most of our experience has come from being on the field and simply learning from our mistakes. I don't think anything can train you for that. <laughs> probably nothing could train you better than that <laughs> better than that wow and so now you're having children and your children are born into missions life yes we have two children a five-year-old girl a two-year-old girl and our third daughter is on the way <laughs> and so they are being born into this lifestyle our first was born in the middle east mm -hmm. and that is what she calls home that's wow. what they both know as home amazing yeah, and so you're here in the States so that I can interview her, but just here on furlough, would you call it? Yep, we're here on furlough to take a break from active ministry. This is still a ministry as we share about what we do, so thank you for mm -hmm. giving me a voice and being able to share I'm a so, little more I'm about so what we do. I'm so grateful to have you on the podcast. <laughs> She came. She and her family came to my house for dinner last night, and we went to our Bible study group last night, and they got a chance to share there. So, doing everything we can to. We're really make, happy to share our hearts. Give you guys we the don't, exposure. Yeah. <laughs> if we don't share, no one's gonna know. Thank you so much for your sharing. As you are, I mean, there's so much to think about as far as missions. There's so much to think about for the Middle East, but. What does effectiveness in missions look like in the Middle East So for you guys? It's a little different than the typical idea of effectiveness. So I know being raised in my church, we would often take these short-term trips to various countries in Central America, and the number one focus was always numbers. So we were able to baptize this many people, and we were able to pass out this many Bibles, and we had this many declarations of faith, and that's how effectiveness was measured. Mm -hmm. This was a great trip because we had X amount of salvations. Mm -hmm. But work in the Middle East is not quite like that, as it's just now beginning. So in Central America, you've had missionaries there for decades, decades now. Mm -hmm. And in the Middle East, in our country in particular, have had missionaries for just around 30 years, wow. I would say. 30 years is when things have begun. And so we're still working on... Groundwork. Groundwork. Yeah. Exactly. Getting, <clears throat> getting people used to the idea that... There are other exposure, other religions in the world. Exposure. What is Christianity? There's a lot of false ideas about what Christianity is. They see America. They know that everyone in America is a Christian according to their viewpoints. And then they see Hollywood. Oh, and so gosh. the view of Christianity is that women are loose and abuse is common and... There's just all of these ideas that come from films. Misconceptions because that, of that. That they assume wow. is true. And so a lot of our ministry is actually just correcting these misconceptions. Mm -hmm. Saying actually uh, to get drunk in our religion is also sin. Just like yours. It's not something that's accepted. Right. Um, sex outside of marriage is not something that's accepted. Mm -hmm. And just sort of opening their eyes to see that what they think about Christianity is just not right. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. Thank so, you. <laughs> yeah. For it's, it's a little challenging at yeah. times working through these assumptions, but effectiveness looks more like just being able to to correct someone's misconceptions, just being able to share the gospel with someone for the first time so that they know the truth. You mentioned something last night that I think is key to to where what you're talking about now. Um, last night at the at this Bible study, you mentioned. Well, I've heard this about about um, Americans that Americans need to hear the gospel at least seven times for it to really start to mm. penetrate. But you seven times, yes. But you stressed a figure that's quite different yes. from for a Muslim. In our country, the average number of times that a Muslim needs to hear the gospel is around seventy-seven. Wow! Before they will start to consider the validity, wow, of the gospel. And so, when you talk about groundwork and you talk about effectiveness I mean it's really what you're saying is is mm-hmm. representing and representing and representing truth and the love of Jesus Christ and the Word of God in in the context of a person who loves Jesus and who's living a, ho- a, a holy life right exactly compared to what they've seen on TV compared to what they, they their perceptions or what they've heard exactly wow. and so we may not come home with these astronomical numbers sharing how many people we've baptized or how many salvations that we've experienced but we can rejoice in each day for every time we're able to share the gospel for every time we're able to share a parable from Mm. the bible that that they've never heard before Mm. for every time that we're able to correct a misconception these are huge successes it is it really is Mm. and 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 in fact too it it kind of um releases pressure on us as when we think about you know witnessing to our neighbors or something like that Mm -hmm. even here because really all we have to do is present present the truth present the word and 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 rather than trying to worry about okay did I get this person did, did they profess Christ did they obey the four spiritual laws did they right, know, all of exactly. that stuff? It's, it's just really laying it out for them there's so much freedom in just being able to live your life out as a Christian and let other people be impacted by that uh, the gospel presents itself in quite ordinary circumstances often mm-hmm. simply sometimes we uh, make it too hard yeah mm-hmm. our friends are having a hard time and we can share that we will pray for them mm-hmm. and here is what it means when we pray right. and we pray to Jesus because he died on the cross for us and we pray to Jesus because he was uh, he was resurrected from the dead we have that communication line with God mm-hmm. and just being able to share that in the midst of life. In the midst of life. life. Stuff, yeah. Or even just simpler things like how to discipline children, how how to help your children to listen to you. Mm-hmm. I can be giving biblical advice and then refer back to the Bible and why we follow the Bible and why we chose to follow Jesus. Yeah. The opportunity presents itself over and over and over again. That's so awesome. So that's cool. So being a mom of well you're about you're about to be three girls mm-hmm. um how is it being a mom and a, and a missionary at the same time how how does that work <laughs> it's a little challenging because life as a missionary doesn't necessarily have eight to five hours like a normal job would it's life it's life as Christians in another country mm-hmm. and so even with my daughters 
I am able to live life with them, do things that we would do here in America. We go to school, go to school functions. I'm hoping to sign my little one up for swim lessons and my big one wants to do ballet and just participating in these normal events, but also representing Christ everywhere we go because it's so different than anyone has ever seen or experienced before. So you're just injecting yourself in all of the normal everyday activities that, mm-hmm. that they would do in that culture mm-hmm. but bringing Christ we are to them. living our lives with people yeah and bringing kinda Christ like, with kinda us kind of like here right exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> but in a but you've sacrificed a lot in a sense mm-hmm. to be where you are and uh, what are some of the challenges of, of this cross-cultural life you've given yourself to it's taken a lot of work to get to where we are now where we feel relatively comfortable where we ourselves can also slowly call this new country home Mm -hmm. Uh, we spent two years language learning and that in itself was just it's challenging it's Mm -hmm. challenging not knowing anything it's challenging not being able to communicate it's challenging when you see someone hurting and your heart just wants to encourage them and lift them up and you can't. You don't have words. And so language has been one of the biggest challenges. It still is a challenge at times because things can be misinterpreted or we don't know the right word that we're looking for that expresses the exact right idea that we're trying to share. And so it it, it can be frustrating Mm -hmm. not being able to truly share your heart with somebody else. But you've crossed a big hurdle yes. as far as that goes, right? <laughs> yes, we feel very comfortable now uh, with the language and we're still learning how to feel comfortable with the culture, learning how to serve in a hospitable way just as those two men served us. That is actually quite normal in the Middle East to be loved and served in such a hospitable way. We, as Americans, don't have much practice in that. It's true. And so we've spent the past several years learning how to uh, sacrificially serve. And in some ways, especially as a woman in the culture, it's just exhausting because it's keeping on top of dishes and making sure everyone's plates are full while these two little girls are running around and it's crazy. And, and just learning how to joyfully serve as well. Mm has been one of the biggest challenges. I think just in following uh, your story for the last few years, I've seen how you guys have really invested in hospitality and, mm-hmm. and people. And and also, we talked about you being a missionary mom, but I think you having children is a key thing to open that opens doors there because you talked about how much your country loves children so much yes in particular our country absolutely yes it is in the whole region they absolutely love children children are considered a gift children are spoiled (laughs) out the wazoo my girls always come home with candies in their pockets and hands (laughs) full of coins that they have earned and for doing some menial tasks. strangers are seeking to bless your children, right? Yes. Strangers are seeking to bless me. I, I can leave the house. Because you're pregnant? Yeah, because I'm pregnant. I get spoiled with extra treats. Uh, there is a little store uh, and it, 
It's like this tiny little marketplace. It, it just mainly sells junk food, so when you're feeling the munchies in the middle of the night, you can always go. <laughs> There's one of these on every corner, and every time I walk by this one particular one in our neighborhood, I get a candy bar <laughs> gifted to me by Aww. the owner because she wants me to be happy and full and and have any cravings satisfied and now that I'm showing more she would give me two oh one for gosh. me and one for the baby <laughs> and so That's it really sweet. does make life a little more simple there raising yeah. children because of that and because of the help so I know that I can drag these two children around this giant city of 20 million because if I need help getting the stroller on the bus someone is someone always there help to help me if I need someone to scoot over so that my five-year-old can sit down uh, 95 percent of the time they just grab her in their laps and oh hold her gosh. and talk to her and have a great conversation <laughs> well are there any other challenges i guess is that you would want to share about or i think some of the challenges are other just than the lear language learning and yeah other than language learning it's just learning how to bring christianity to a culture that has no Christian influence in it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So just as one small example, here, there's a, there's a large Christian influence mm -hmm. in just everyday life. And people and don't so even, have, people it, have come, become so accustomed to it, they don't even right. recognize it anymore. A simple thing such as forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So at the park, if my daughter gets hit by some other little child, even if it's an accident, Generally, mothers here are grabbing their children and saying, hey, you need to go say sorry. You mm -hmm. need to apologize. That was unkind. And that is, that is influenced by the Christian faith. That is not something that exists in other parts of the world, in the country that we're in, for example. Uh, the idea of apologizing is not very common. Mm -hmm. It's much more common to hold a grudge mm -hmm. against someone. And so if my daughter was hit... It's very common for another mother to say, oh, well, she shouldn't have done that. Or, oh, my son is just playing a game. He didn't mean just it. Just excuse it. Yep, it's excused. Or even just, oh, well, she doesn't have to play with him if she doesn't like it. She can go somewhere else mm -hmm. and play, which is fine. She can. But the idea of seeking forgiveness is something that's very foreign. Wow. And so at the park, I, I definitely mm -hmm. strive to teach my children that they need to ask for forgiveness, mm -hmm. especially when they've done something on purpose, yeah. such as taking a toy from another child's hand or pushing someone down the slide when they weren't ready to go. So I practice having her go to the child and say, I'm sorry, I did this. It was wrong. Can you forgive me? And even the word for forgive is, is so rarely used there that most children don't understand what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and so just these small cultural aspects yeah. that are completely, completely foreign to them but are a regular part of our faith, uh, it can be really challenging trying to integrate the two to make yeah. one new culture. And I know that's a big challenge for the local Christians as well because they they don't have it modeled around mm -hmm. them as often to know mm -hmm. what it looks like to forgive to know what it looks like to have a godly marriage know what it looks like to uh, be godly parents they've they've had no exposure and so it's a learning curve for everyone wow. because their cultures some aspects of culture is not necessarily bad mm -hmm. and we don't want to eliminate someone's culture we just mm -hmm. want to bring christ into the culture yeah
bring a, I forget the name of the missionary right now. He, he wrote the book Peace Child, but he speaks about in his book and in the video that they did afterwards, he speaks about redemptive analogies hmm. that he believes God has woven into every culture on the face of the earth a redemptive analogy and, mm-hmm. and that a lot of times a key feature in missions is to discover what that redemptive analogy is so that the gospel can be presented in a way that means something deep in their hearts. Mm, that because, is so interesting. Yeah, culture culture is a big deal. Culture is, is a huge thing and, and, and it's, it's so wrapped up in how we develop as people. I, I remember in... Um, in history class in my first year of college, uh, we had a lot, a, a lot going on. We were, it was really world cultures before 1500, one of those deep <laughs> classes like that. And the, the professor kept, kept, kept hitting on this one particular point about how different people are. Mm-hmm. That if their culture is different, truth isn't presented, it isn't received the same mm-hmm. as it is in other cultures. And then and then another factor I've heard is, as, a, as an aspect of that culture, like because we have had roots in Christianity in our nation, right and wrong is huge to us. Mm-hmm. And wanting, to be, wanting things to be right or righteously presented, although in recent days it doesn't seem like it as much. But, but other nations have more of a they're more based not so much on right or wrong but on shame and honor absolutely and that plays a huge part into you have you know stepping into a, a culture like that absolutely and so there's this concept of guilt mm-hmm. that exists in these western cultures guilt and innocence that even if no one saw me do anything wrong I still feel it in my heart. I think about how my mama raised me. Your conscience. My conscience grabs me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in our country, it's it's exactly the opposite. It's honor versus shame. And so if you can get away with it without being caught, there's not necessarily something to feel bad about. Mm -hmm. Just thankful that you didn't get caught. But if you do get caught Mm -hmm. and someone shames you by saying, oh, I can't believe you did that. Oh, you kiss your mama with that mouth. Oh, that is so shameful. Even just the word shame, saying it is incredibly shameful. Wow. wow. Uh, the people are so embarrassed that they don't want to repeat that action. And it's so deeply ingrained yes. in who they are that, wow, it's a huge, huge concern, I guess, mm-hmm. in missions. And, and also just you living your life in a way that guards and respects them for who they are but uh, Mm -hmm. finding an opportunity to to bring Christ into the middle of that and how they would receive it sometimes it's pretty complicated right it has been it has been complicated and so I think often of this fellow that we know he has declared himself an atheist he does not believe in Islam but he doesn't quite know what the right answers are. And so he says he's interested in Christianity. He looks at my husband and I, and he says, wow, you are so holy. You are such holy people. You like actually read the holy scriptures and you actually pray and you actually like believe it and act on it. And we explain to him, well, we're not actually that holy. You know, here are some things that my husband struggles with. Here are some things that I struggle with. And he's like, but I didn't know about that. 
I'm like, but you do, you do now know about that. And he's like, but nobody else does. So you're still holy. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> so it's that's the, the difference. It's the dressing on the outside. Mm-hmm. That... So addressing that the heart is what really matters. Mm-hmm. That. But he didn't get that. He didn't get it. Yeah, not yet. It's not. And it's not, not something anyway. that is is normal to them. Yeah. And so, especially in Islam, if you follow all the right rules, even if your heart is not in it, that is enough for you to potentially go to heaven one day. In their your job is just to follow the rules. Wow. And it doesn't matter if in your heart you are thinking nasty thoughts as you follow the rules. What matters are the outward actions. And yeah. so we are trying to show them how important it is to change the heart. Yeah. And that that's what God really desires is a change of heart from his people. That's beautiful. Wow. I, um, I wanted to ask you, <clears throat> from the perspective of, of you and your work, and uh, people who may be listening, what do you wish that the listeners knew about the life you live as, as a missionary in a foreign culture? What do you wish people knew about your life? I think there's a lot of different things that I wish people knew. Uh, One of the big ones, I think, is that our life is not necessarily exotic and fascinating all of the time. It can be mundane. It can be very mundane. Uh, One big example is that processed foods aren't as common in our country and so every dinner we make is from scratch and it normally takes around two hours two to three hours just to prepare a single meal I spend a lot of time in the kitchen yeah my husband spends a lot of time in the kitchen our daughters spend a lot of time in the kitchen Mm -hmm. simply preparing things Uh, so we do get to do a lot of exciting things we live in a really beautiful area we get to see the sea we get to enjoy water. It's quite gorgeous where we at, we are at, but our whole life is not spent enjoying those beautiful things. We're involved in the mundane. We're involved mm-hmm. in life. I still get stressed out when trying to get my child ready for school in the morning <laughs> and get her off so that we're not late. We're we're just living normal lives. Yeah. We are not constantly turned on sharing the gospel 24/7. We are not sitting back on vacation relaxing (laughs) and sharing all these cool photographs which we do do that Um, but we are simply living our lives as Christians in another country and so we're not necessarily special we're not necessarily brave in our eyes we're just adjusting to what has become our new normal trying to be a disciple where you are Mm -hmm. So, basically what you wish, I mean, it's important what you just said, because I remember when um, a leader, in in fact, this man was a regional leader in missions over Southeast Asia, and he came to my church to share, and I was, I guess, kind of new to being exposed to missions in church and stuff at this point, and so when he comes and he stands up in front, I'm like... He's a leader over Southeast <laughs> Southeast Asia, and I'm thinking, he looks ordinary. Exactly. He talks ordinary, <laughs> and it took me a long while to realize that 
missionaries are ordinary they're people. They're pretty ordinary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they've they're just pretty surrendered ordinary. their lives. They've just surrendered their lives to mm-hmm. a call that God has really put out to all of us, actually. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, he's put out the call to all of us, and he's just called some of us to do it somewhere else. <laughs> so we are just those people that are somehow got picked else. to do it somewhere else, and yeah. so that's what we're doing. Yeah. I In some of my experiences in missions, I... I have felt like, uh, because I've done just short term, the longest Mm -hmm. I ever stayed in one place was six months, and um, I I often felt like a a bee that goes from flower to flower, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. transmitting, you know, the pollen or what have you, and, um, but you guys have gone to stay. Mm-hmm. And your vision is long term. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so blessed by some of the things that you shared last night about your your long term vision, and that you know you you're not operating as if okay we're we're done with this life and next year you know you're not thinking that way. Mm-hmm. And so um, so it's a huge blessing that you're long term. We're in it. I don't know. <laughs> we're in it. Yeah, and so you have visions of actually being able to plant churches mm-hmm. and yeah so another question as far as for our listeners here and then we'll we'll wrap things up um is how can we pray for you how can we support you what can we do i think some of the biggest areas of prayer for my family and for missionaries in general is just perseverance mm-hmm. because we do just live a normal life but everything is slightly more complicated as sometimes the culture can be really frustrating when I just want to get something done that would take 15 minutes in the U.S. and it takes four days in the country that we're in. Those little things, they just add up. Mm -hmm. And there is something called culture shock, which is when your body suddenly realizes, whoa, everything is way different and you really have to fight to come out of that. Uh, that's normally for people that have been on the field around 6 to 12 months is when that kicks in. It's very shocking to finally <laughs> realize that people live really different than what you're used to. Yeah. But after that comes this idea of cultural fatigue. So what happens is that you're not necessarily shocked by the things going on around you, but they sure do make you exhausted and tired. Like, oh, I wish things could just be this easy, Mm -hmm. or I wish the culture was not like this. I wish the culture was not like that. And so especially for the long-term missionaries that you know, definitely pray for stamina and encouragement. Mm -hmm. Write them. Let them know you're thinking about them. It can be very challenging to be overseas with the time differences. Uh, we we can can feel forgotten at times, especially on holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving. Uh, those are the days when everyone's with their own families, and and we're Tradition, just there. <laughs> and you're not getting good experience. Right, yeah. and so we miss home a lot on those days. But it's easy to feel forgotten. So feel free to write them and just say, Hey, I'm thinking about you today, or Hey, what was the hardest part of your day? Can I pray over that? Mm-hmm. Just remembering that they're there. Yeah. And that they might be really tired and they might need a little push of encouragement because we don't get that as much as if we were living here. One of the things you mentioned last night was the fact that um, because there are very few believers where you are, you don't have the wealth of people pouring into you like we have available to us here. And you right. experience a lack of that sometimes. 
there can be a lack of fellowship depending on where you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have lived one season of life in an area where there were no other believers. Mm -hmm. And at that time, we had just gone through a miscarriage. Oh my. And I was too tired to lift my husband up and to help him. And he was too tired Mm -hmm. to lift me up and to help me. We were exhausted. We were spiritually depleted. We were grieving. And we actually ended up going to another country for medical care. Uh, and also spiritual care, as there were other believers that could come and walk alongside of us and lift us up out of that when we couldn't lift ourselves up. And so just a simple note from home can mean a lot. Mm -hmm. It really can. But also I think the listeners could investigate People International as well, Mm -hmm. right? Your organization. Absolutely. We have families all throughout Central Asia that, that need support. That need support. Yeah. Whether it's prayer, whether it's financial, so pray, whether it's pray, emotional, pray, all of it. Praying for perseverance, praying for mm-hmm. encouragement. Anything else? Or actually giving encouragement, I should say. Yes, praying for perseverance, the giving of encouragement. And as one final thing, I would say just taking some time. This... I've had very few people do this for me, but it has meant the world. But if you are wanting to truly touch a missionary's heart, take some time to learn a little bit about their culture and to learn a little bit about what their daily life looks like. That way they have someone that understands what they're going through that's also Western, and so they understand their mindset. So I have a good friend... And she and her husband came out to our country to visit us. And in that visit, they were able to see Mm. our neighborhood. They were able to see where we take the girls to the park. They were able to eat the food that we eat. They were able to see how long it takes to get from point A to point B in our our really big city. And after that, whenever I needed someone Mm. to talk to, she was always there. And it was such a blessing because she understood what I was talking about. That's great. And so go visit them. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds a little Huge. scary, yeah. but just even if you can't visit, just taking time to ask, mm-hmm. what is it like? And taking time to listen to their stories would mean a lot. Mm-hmm. Let's pray. Father, we just uh, thank you for Allison and her family. Lord, we thank you for your work and your love for the people where where they are, where they're serving. Father, we thank you for giving them multiple opportunities lord to present and represent the gospel and father we thank you lord for strengthening them and their inner beings lord lord that christ would dwell in their hearts through faith lord that they they would be filled up to the, the full measure of love that's in you god let all the love that they can can carry lord and give away lord just be filled and resupplied inside of them Lord, I just thank you for meeting their needs. I thank you for touching their hearts and blessing their children. Father, I thank you for this opportunity, this day of sharing. Lord, I thank you for every listener whose heart will be touched and connected, Lord God, to and, and just move to pray. Move to pray, move to give, Lord, perhaps even move to go, to visit, or to, to even surrender their lives to, to this type of work, God. And so we bless you and thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
friends, thank you for joining us today. I hope you've been blessed uh, in the conversation that you got to participate in with Allison. Uh, crossing culture is not an easy thing to do, and we're so grateful for Allison and the other missionaries who are making the surrender and the sacrifice day by day, uh, living as a disciple of Jesus Christ in a foreign land. It's such an honor to to know you and to uh, be able to participate in your life. And hey, listeners, if you would like to find out more information about uh the company that has sent Allison. I have put a link to to that agency, People International, in the show notes. I also put a link to Crew, which is what Campus Crusade for Christ is called now. Um, they played a role in Allison coming to Christ and being able to begin her service and her work in missions. Also, I want to remind you listeners of some important things that Allison said would be good for you to know um, that missionaries need. One is to pray for their perseverance, to find a way to encourage them. Uh, That could be by writing or uh, supporting or even going to visit if that was possible. One other thing she mentioned was it would be great encouragement to a missionary if you could spend some time learning what it's like to live where they live um, and and be a blessing to them. Communication is a big part. Uh, they need the investment of, of like-minded people, not just financially um, and not just prayerfully, but through communication, through friendship, however that's possible. And today's world We've got Zoom, we've got all kinds of, of platforms and opportunities where you can, you can at least verbally or video-wise share yourself with, with missionaries that are, are far away, distance-wise. You can make it seem a lot closer by your communication. But until then, praying that you guys are gaining strength as we seek and serve the Lord. Blessings to all of you.